Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And just kind of throw it open. Now, there's a couple of things I want to say uh, this morning before we get going. One of them is, is that today is Communion Sunday, so we'll be having communion here at, at the end of the message. And everybody is welcome who's a believer in Jesus Christ to have communion with us. For those of you at home, uh, you need to get your communion ready. We'll be doing that at the end of service. We also have individual communion in the back of the church. If, if you don't want to come forward, that's fine. And so uh, I want you to feel, uh, do what God wants you to do. Amen. So, um, second thing is, is I don't know, I've been thinking, I just, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how y'all feel, but there's so much going on in the world right now, I, I feel like I want to do more, right? Like, more to stop the wickedness from running rampant. And it's kind of like, and I, I don't, this is, I'm just using this as an example, okay? This does not really what I'm going to do, but I'm like, if there was a building we could burn down, I'd burn it down just to burn it down. You know what I'm saying? But, but I don't know no building to burn down and that's not the right thing to do anyway. And so, but I'm just saying that's the feelings I have on the inside of me that I, I want to stop. So I was, I was talking to the Lord about this saying, you know, Lord, I mean, you know, we want to kind of like get in the fight, but we don't know, you know, we, other than voting and calling our congressman and all this kind of stuff, which we've been doing for years and years and years and years, it seems you like, we're not getting anywhere. At least I don't feel like it. Like I'm getting to talk ugly to as many people as I want to. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to say, you know. But anyway, uh, so I was talking to the Lord about this and he said, well, why don't, why don't you just, you know, get the church to just be making sure that they're honoring me? And I said, well, what do you mean, Lord? Like, what do you mean? And, and so I'm just throwing this out, all right? Because, you know, I didn't eat pizza I didn't, Dr. Brown. Uh, I didn't eat pizza that night and, and had this, you know, come to me, but I just got to thinking about it, and I said, okay, I kind of see what you're talking about. Like, I was raised in a, in a church denomination as a kid all my life. I was raised there, and uh, I was always told to be quiet. Now, I, I'm not saying that that, well, my mother could have eased up on me some, you know, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, you, you, you grew into this, you grew into this, this uh, mindset, you know, that when you went in church, it was kind of like going to a funeral, you know, you needed to be quiet, you don't, you're reverent, right? And, and there is a reverence for God. We do need to have reverence for God, right? And sometimes you do need to shut up and don't say nothing, right? You do need to just bow your heart or bow your knee before your God and you need to close your mouth. And give God reverence. But that's not all the time. Sometimes you need to stand up and tell God, you're right. I'm for you. I'm with you. Where do you want to go? I mean, there needs to be something comes out of you, okay? So this morning, I just want to make sure that everybody in here understands, you know, as a church, Living Waters, we have no dress code, no protocol, you know, things of this. It's not, it's non-existent here. Hello? I mean, I think you already knew that because y'all got up and put on what you wanted to this morning anyway. All right. But I want you to know that I'm not I, I want you to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. All right. As I'm preaching and if I say something you're in agreement with, you have the right to say amen. amen. 
You have the right to clap your hands. You even have the right. I've seen this only in certain some some churches, not everywhere. And I love it where where some of the men just stand up. They don't say nothing. They stand up. And so if you want to do that, you know, do the typical cowboy worship of God kind of stance, you know, fingers in the thumbs in the pockets. And we're in agreement, Pastor. I mean, if you, that's for you, then that's good. glory to God, man. You know, if you want to wave a red hanky, wave a red hanky, white hanky, blue hanky, pink hanky. Just make sure it's clean. Don't get nothing off on somebody else, you know. But I mean, you know, and, I, and this, oh, sweetie, you love me, right? Just, you know, because <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble after this. But I've been thinking about this, you know, sometimes in life. And the only way I can come is when you were a young kid in the very first, oh, I'm going to get in trouble on this. But I'm going to go ahead and just say it. It's, maybe it's a bad example, but uh, the very first time you kissed a girl, your heart was beating. You were thinking, oh, God, is this going to work? Oh, what do I do? Is our noses going to touch? How does this work? <laughs> and you went through all this anticipation and anxiety before that moment. And now some of you older people that have been married for 50 years, you're like, I got something on my lip. Don't want to kiss. <laughs> you, Okay, you know, you've already crested over the other side of the hill and gone down to the valley somewhere, you know. So with you, with God, that may be it. You may be breaking a tradition in life by just saying amen, because you were told all your life to be quiet. Now, I want you to know that when I'm preaching, it's not a distraction to me, because once I start preaching, I'm like on a dog on a hunt. I ain't going to lose that scent. Because you jumped up and stood up over there. All I'm going to know is you're in agreement with me, okay? Or if you said amen or whatever. You, you, you can't, you're not going to distract me, okay? I, I, I'm just telling you, you're not going to distract me. Uh, matter of fact, you might encourage me. Because as a pastor, I just, see, I'm, I'm just up here like right now. In just a minute, I'm gonna, I'm, I know where I'm going to go. And then I'm going to tell you where to go. And then I'm oblivious to anything else, right? And as far as I'm concerned, there's 2,000 people out here. Y'all are all happy, excited, going on. Everybody loves it. There's no problems, and I'm not going to know anything. I'm going into my vortex, my little, my little world, and I'm going to preach it under the anointing. And uh, I'm going to go home, and I have to ask my wife when I get to the house, was it okay? Did everything work all right? Because I don't know. So anyway, I'm just telling you all that. I'm turning you loose, and uh, you can do what you want to. So go to Acts chapter 2410, okay? 2410. Now, if you do get out of hand, you know, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it, and I'm nice. See, this is a bad thing about, about uh, text messaging and all. I got a text from my mother right now. She said, I heard that. <laughs> so I didn't get away with it, even though she's not here. That's terrible. <laughs> Always under the watchful eye. Okay, so I started this message last week. I'm going to finish it up today, and then we're going to have communion. Uh, talking about your heart, talking about the difference in the heart between the Apostle Paul and, the, and, and Pharaoh and how Apostle Paul's heart was like wax. When the, when the glory of God appeared, when the sun arose, it, his heart melted like wax and God could mint, mint, mold it into anything he wanted it to be. But when the sun arose over Pharaoh, his heart was made out of clay. And when it arose, uh, his heart hardened and he didn't want to do what God did. And we're finding a time right now in America where America used to be this, this God-fearing nation that we were, we, were, we were headed down the road and everybody loved God and honored veterans and honored the flag 
flag and did all this. And now we're getting into this crazy time because people's hearts have grown hard because of sin. That's the only reason why sin is simply missing the mark. Sin is simply taking the bow and arrow, shooting, aiming the gun, shooting for the target and you miss. That's what sin is. You miss the mark and people have missed the mark in America and they're going off on the wrong trail trying to fight to find joy and happiness and peace in things of the flesh. And they're never going to find that because all it's going to do is make the hole in their heart bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. And so the apostle Paul's heart was a heart that when God spoke to him and showed up, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is where I was going last week in Acts 24. uh, Actually, I think it's verse 16, 10 through 16. But the last part of it, he said, uh, being so I myself strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. Hello. Now, I know that I can't live in this world and not offend men. There's going to be people that are just offended with me. I've had people just be mad at me for just what I look like, just who I am, how I dress, how I talk, how I walk. I've had people get offended at me for all kinds of reasons. Well, I can't do a lot about that. Right. But I don't want to have any offense towards between me and God. That's my main goal in life is to live a life where where my relationship with the Lord is. He doesn't have to start out. Robert, what have you done? Hello. I want to live with a pure heart and a clean heart before God to know that he loves me when I get to heaven. I'm going to hear well done, that good and faithful servant. OK, so we talked about that. We discussed that. We went over last week and you just have to go back and listen to the message because I'll never get through if I don't get going. And so we talked about uh, about Paul's heart. We talked about how how he was one that. You know, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he did it. But Pharaoh, man, Pharaoh just kept hardening his heart. Every time God showed up, he, he hardened his heart. So look at Acts 24, 3. Let's start here. Acts 24, 3. David said, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand on his holy place? He who has clean sand, clean hands and a pure heart. There's something about a pure heart. Look, I don't know technically If right now on earth, you can get to the place where your heart is 100% pure, like it's going to be when you step across into heaven. But I do know this. If you have a heart or longing in your heart to do right, to be right with God, to have no offense with God, well, then the Holy Spirit will come to you. He'll, you know, tap you on the shoulder. He'll he'll, 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 he'll try to get your attention because he's a gentleman. He's not going to come to you and fall on you and twist your arm and say, you're going to quit doing that. Boy, I tell you. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to come and he's going to tap on your shoulder. And he said, <clears throat> don't say that anymore. I, don't don't do that anymore. As a young man, I, I guess I was around too many, you know, uh, my family, ranchers, you know, people like that. And somehow or another, I grew up with a, a sense of exaggeration. <laughs> Wasn't lying. It was just, you know, a natural sense of exaggeration, you know. And so I then developed that seem like in my life until everything I was doing, it was always bigger than it really was. Okay. And then when I got saved and I started walking with the Lord, I you know, would started out preaching in the jails. And so somebody would say, how many, you know, what happened in the jails? I said, oh man, you should have seen you know, all these people got saved. And, you know, and it was people did get saved, but it, maybe it wasn't quite the number or the way I was expressing it. And then, then one day the Holy Spirit said, you're, you're got to stop that. You're lying. Tell it for what it is. And I was convicted in my heart that I, 
you know, had this exaggeration and I had to stop it. So then I had to start really becoming truthful about everything in my life and it began to change me. See, if you have a heart that's longing for God, that's what I'm talking about. You're not going to be just boom. He ain't just going to come up and touch you and then you're just, ha -ha, you're the angel. No, there's things in your heart that's got to change. There's things in all of our hearts that's got to change. And sometimes, unless you're squished and, and, and pressured, you're not going to know that that's what you're doing is wrong because you've always done it. It's in your paradigm. That's just who you are. And then the Holy Spirit taps on you and you say, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. That's working towards a pure heart. Hello? That's what we all have to have in us. And so he said that person, he's going to go to the hill with God. That person's going to go up to the, to the mountain with God. He's going to be with God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. What are, they're going to see God. So what I'm saying to you, church, is that you're not there. And that's what I love about y'all, because we're all just country people. And we're just, you know, we are who we are. And we're not putting on pretense and putting on the dog. If you are, you're not doing a very good job. I'll tell you all that. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. And so, I mean, I can get dressed up and try to put on the dog, but I mean, everybody's like, Phew. it's like one time I was in a store and, and I hadn't realized that I gave my business card to these people. It was actually a boot shop and uh, they were redoing a pair of boots for me. And, and so then I went back to get the boots and there was a girl and she was over there and she was talking to her mother. I didn't know it was her mother at the time. And she was talking to her mother and she was holding her throat. And her mother said, well, how long have you had this sore throat? And when the girl saw me came, come in and she looked at me and she said, he could help me if he wanted to. And I thought, well, you should want me to pray for her or what, you know? And I didn't realize that I'd given her one of my business cards who said, Dr. Robert Richards. <laughs> and so she said, he could help me if he wants to. He's a doctor. And I never forget the look on the woman's face. She looked at me and she's like, just like this look came up on her face like, and she said, well, maybe if you were a horse. <laughs> and I was like, I, and so I, was just thinking, I was like, what? What is going on here? And then it dawned on me. And I said, and so I started laughing. I said, no, but I can't help you. And she's, I said, that doctor is not medical doctor. I'm a pastor of a church. I can pray for you. And then they're like, oh, no, that, that was weirder than being the veterinarian, you know. <laughs> So you're not going to put on the dog. Well, see, God knows your heart. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's there. You may be trying to hide it from him. You may be trying to mask it over. You may be trying to do something like that, but it ain't going to do you no good because God knows. Amen. Everybody say God knows. Okay. So then I start talking to you about how you're going to develop your heart. How can you develop this? What can you do to develop a pure heart? And you really can. There's things you can do in your daily walk to do that. You're not just going to be born with a pure heart. Hello? You have to work at it. Are y'all with me? Okay. So the first thing I talked about last week was Proverbs 23, 17. It says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the days, all the day. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. That the first thing that you do, if you're going to develop a heart that's, that's pure and yearning for the Lord, wanting to do right, you, is you have to have the fear of the Lord in your life. Folks, listen to me. I, I'm just shocked by people and things going on in the world that they, they seem to not realize that they have to answer for that. They're going to have to answer. Listen, nobody's getting away with nothing. I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. I'm telling you, the Bible's true. I'm telling you, every man's going to stand before God at the judgment seat of God. They're going to have to do it. There's nobody getting away no matter what. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your crazy belief is. You're not going to get away with it. And I know that there's a lot of underhanded things going on and a lot of sneaky, conniving, just horrible wickedness going on. But let me tell you something. They're not going to get away with it. All right. My God's going to take care of that. But you've got to have a healthy fear of the Lord in yourself to realize you ain't getting away with it either. And you're going to have to answer for everything in life one day. And heaven help me. I keep I, I man, that's why I'm always bleeding the blood over my life. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. I mean, some of the worst words that I feared going into a place where I not, don't know everybody. And somebody says, Robert, Robert, is that you? Oh, is it like, e? Is this person from the BC days or is this, you know, who? And so you got to have a healthy fear of the Lord. You got to keep your heart under the blood of Jesus. You got to keep yourself in a repentant state saying, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I'm making a mess when I'm doing the best job I can. I'm trying to advance your kingdom on the face of this earth. And this is what I want to do. Lord, help me, Jesus. All right. And then the second thing is you've got to understand there's a hereafter. Eternity, a realization of eternity changes your walk in life. Because you realize all of a sudden you're not living for this life. You're living for eternity. And you realize that all your retirement, bank accounts, and investments is going to be gone. And you're going to step over to the other side. And Jesus said, man, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. He said, what you're doing over there is affecting eternity. What you're doing today is affecting eternity. Hello? And so my point is, is having a, a, a revelation of eternity and, and asking God, it causes you to keep your heart right because you know someday you're going to step over. And see, we always think that we're never going to die, <clears throat> but we do. Hello? And so what I'm saying to you is that, that, whew, man, that'll keep you living right. The second thing is I talked about last week is Psalms 121.1. He says, lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Where does your help come from today? Listen to me. I'm not, man, surely now, but I'm not dependent upon the government to help me. Okay? I'm not looking for them to come up with a great plan and the great infrastructure bill and get me all straight. Help me out. Hello? My help comes from the Lord. And only my help comes from the Lord. He's the one that's going to deliver me. He's the one that whose strong right hand is going to lead me and guide me. He's the one that's going to deliver me from the wicked people. He's the one that's got me in the palm of his hand. Ain't nothing going to take me out. See, folks, you got to understand that your confession needs to be, where does your help come from? And you can get mad, bent out of shape, just frustrated, jump up and down, throw stuff, you know, Cuss and kick and do whatever, but listen to me. All that's not going to change what's going on with wicked people in the world. What's going to change is how you're believing and trusting in God to take you every day through that day. Hello? Jeremiah 3.23 says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. In other words, you're looking anywhere else but God, you ain't going to make it. Okay? So that was the second point. Then the third point was John 15, 16. 
You have to realize that you're chosen. Listen to me, each and every one of you, whether you realize it or not, you're sitting in here today, you're listening or watching the broadcast. Jesus has touched your life somehow. And he touched your life because you're chosen. Not that that makes you more special than the next person, but God chose everyone to be saved, but you heard the call and you, you, you answered it. But that means God's hands upon you and you're special. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he's got a, a, a future for you and a hope for you and a plan for you. And it's good. God didn't get, get, let you in the kingdom to just have a pond to torment. There's some people think that they think, all right, you know, don't don't talk to God. Don't go up to the throne. He might be mad at you right now. Man, I want to be at the throne room. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be right there with him because I know that he says that nothing can separate me from his love. That means no matter how stupid I could have been, he still loves me. And so I want to be in his presence because he's got the answer. He can fix me. He can help me. He can deliver me. He can show me the way out. He can show me, you know, the hidden door that I can walk through that nobody else saw. That's what's amazing about the Lord is he cares about everything, everything going on in the world, but he'll still help you find your keys. I mean, really? If you were to call me in the middle of the week and say, Pastor, I can't find my keys. I'd say, well, I don't know what to do for you. But God, he's got everybody in the world and everything in the world going on, but he can help you find your keys. It's amazing. So you have to realize that you are chosen, you're accepted, you have a right to go into the throne of God, you have a right to communicate with your heavenly father, you have a right by the blood of Jesus to go in to the courts of heaven, make your petitions known, know that, that you have a rightful place there at, a, at the table to sit. I got to tell you all this one, <clears throat> there was, it was, this is years and years ago when I was going through Bible school, and, and uh, I got to be really good friends with the president and, uh, of the college, and and so they ended up putting me on the board of directors, and uh, I was there at a board of directors meeting, and there was all these highfalutin preachers there. I mean, them, them boys had some nice suits, you know, and I didn't even own a suit. And so I went to the board meeting and was just sitting in there, minding my own business, and there's this one pastor. He was from uh, Atlanta, I believe, and before he had gotten saved, he was a model for men's GQ magazine. So that just tell you how far apart we were, you know. <laughs> and so we had gone out to eat. And so we were out, we had lunch, and we came back. And of course, man, I picked up a toothpick. I mean, they wouldn't have those things sitting on the counter. You weren't supposed to take one. And so I had a toothpick. And so we went back into the board meeting. And so they're talking about all this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I got to messing with this toothpick. And I was playing with this toothpick and just had it just kind of twirl it in my mouth, you know, just... Not being, not being obnoxious with my toothpick. I was using proper toothpick etiquette. And this guy from, you know, former GQ guy, he just stands up in the meeting and he says, my God, would you take that out of your mouth? I said, excuse me? And he said, I can't sit here with you like that. And I could tell he was just disgusted with me, but I thought it was kind of funny that I was irritating this person by simply rolling a toothpick around. And so because of, you know, my nature, I said, oh, what, this toothpick? And he's like, that, what? And he just, I mean, he became so enraged he couldn't speak. And I said, I can't believe this little toothpick could irritate you so much. And so I said to him, 
why don't you just go ahead and say the truth? It's not the toothpick that's irritating you. I said, it's me, and it's really not me. It's the Spirit of God in me that's convicting you. Boy, he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. And so my point is that just me, being me, was irritating a person. All right? I don't want to be that away to the Lord. Right? I want to be sitting at the table with the Lord and... He's glad I'm there, but I can tell you this, because he chose me, he knew what he got. Right? He didn't get me in and have me at the courts of heaven and then say, oh, we made a mistake. (laughs) This boy's an uncultured heathen over here, man. No, God doesn't do that. He chose you to get you in there because you're accepted, all right? Now then, the Holy Ghost will tap on your shoulder, and if you need to quit and throw the toothpick out, then he will. The fourth thing was, is you got to learn his will. Now I went over all this stuff and you can go back over. It. It's probably better last week than this week. But anyway, you can get two shots at it. Matthew seven twenty four is about the story of the wise men. We know this story. We know what Matthew seven twenty four says about the building the house. One built their house on the rock. One built their house on the sand, right? Matter of fact, if you go back and look at last Wednesday night's message, I preached a great message on that, completely turned it around. It's another good message. But anyway, we, we were talking about the knowing the will of the Lord, right? And, and, and folks, listen to me. Right now, people, man, they do not know what God's will is. And people are coming up with just because this looks good or this sounds good or this is what we ought to do or we should be all loving and all accepting and all this. They don't know what the will of the Lord is. Because the bottom line is, folks, listen, there's one thing that really makes a difference. Is the person that you're dealing with, are you bringing them closer to Jesus in a relationship with him to be prepared for eternity? We right now as Christian people have a heavy responsibility to be getting as many people saved as possible. And standing up in the face of adversity and standing up in the face of what's going on in in even other churches and standing up and saying, no, we believe the word of God. We believe the word of God is true. You believe it from the forward all the way back to the book of maps. You know? My map's falling out of my Bible, but I still believe that, you know, it's right. Hello? I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back off. I'm not, I mean, this is, I have something to go by. I think, well, well, you don't understand. You know, you're not smart enough to understand how this was written and that was written and then they did this and that. And there's books that should have been put in the Bible that aren't. Man, you got enough right here. I'd like to see this do this. Huh? Tear out one chapter and see if you can live and keep yourself under that. I mean, come on. You're over there talking about, well, this, that, and the other. Well, there's, you know, anyway, I ain't going to get there. But we got to know the will of the Lord. And you're not going to know the will of the Lord unless you desire to have a relationship with Jesus. You see, I'm the kind of person that I was thinking the other day. I happened to be reading the book of Acts where Paul was making a discourse from one of the governors. and, and And he talked about that he started from Moses and then through Moses and then through all the prophets he preached and showed them Jesus, right? And then I got to reading, and just happened to be my daily reading, it fell over there, and I was in, in the book of Luke uh, 24, at the, on the road to Emmaus, and, he was, and it says in Jesus, he was talking with the guys, and he says he started Moses, and then through all the prophets, and he showed them, you know, it was Jesus, right? And so I got to thinking, man, I wonder what that message sounded like. I wish I could go through and YouTube it. Hear the message on the road to Emmaus with Jesus or hear what Apostle Paul was really saying. Here was the thing, man, because don't you know it was smooth. The Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee. 
And so he knew the Bible forwards and backwards. He knew all of this. And don't you know that was an eloquent message as he began to start Genesis chapter 3 and he began to go through Deuteronomy chapter 18 and he started going through and telling him all this and relating and building this picture and this whole thing up to show that it was Jesus, right? But all they had to do to, to accept it was to believe in the resurrection. But that's where they got hung up because then they varied off the scriptures and started believing what the Pharisees had said and the, 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 that when they had told the, the guys to lie and said they stole his body away and that's what it was and they weren't believing in the resurrection. And that one point of doubt caused them to not get saved. They didn't know the will of God. They couldn't see it through the scriptures, even though they laid it out before them. And I realize there's people on this earth and it breaks my heart that you can lay it out before them and you can show them and you can show them and you can show them. Yet their hearts are hard. But folks, that doesn't make any difference. We've got to keep preaching. We've got to keep telling people about Jesus. We've got to tell the will of the Lord for us right now, even as a church, is to get people as many to know Jesus as we possibly can. That is the will of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so now here's where I didn't get to last week, and I want to, I want to, I want to go here. Number five, go to First John three two. That was a pretty good review, huh? That's most people's message for the year, and I hadn't even got started yet. First John three two, beloved. Now we are the children of God, and it's not been yet. Re- it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, <clears throat> but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. We shall see him as he is. Now, most people take that as a scripture of like, you know, the rapture of the church has taken place or, you know, you've entered into heaven. And then when you see Jesus, it changes you. But I want to present this to you this morning. I'm saying, what about when Jesus is revealed to you here on earth? Are you going to become like him? You remember the days when they did the big deal when you took the bracelets and it was a WWJD? What would what would Jesus do? Right. OK, but. Now you're confronted and Jesus revealed to you. Well, listen, does it change you? Has it changed you? Are you the same as you were when you met him as you are today? Or did it change you? If you want a pure heart, you got to have a heart that beats for God. And when you met Jesus, he radically changed your life. You've got to know that you know that you know down here in your heart. In your nor. That you know that Jesus is real and you want to be like him. See, Jesus is my hero. I love it when he went to the temple. I said, boy, I had about enough of this. Reached over there, made a whip. Jesus knows how to make whips. Made a whip and then just went bananas on everybody, kicking over tables. Oh, I want to see the DVD on that. Lord have mercy. I want to see their faces when he comes at them with the whip. I'm like, what? This crazy preacher got a whip. Some of y'all, I, I, you know, you may not have been here long enough, but I did that one Sunday here. I, I hid my bull whip over there, and then I got down here, and I told all the ushers to put the offering buckets right up here on a card table and everybody's wondering what was going on then I got to preaching that message and I walked over here and I whipped up that bullwhip and kicked that table over and cracked that thing man people screamed it was fun but when we desire to see Jesus I want to tell you something it changes us all right when you have a revelation of Jesus man your eyes are opened on this earth 
Hello? Ephesians 1.17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. I can still remember it like yesterday when I gave my heart to Jesus. And my simple prayer was, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. And that day my eyes were open. And that day I began to see things differently. That day I began to understand that God was real and that Jesus was real and what he did for me on the cross bought my salvation. And it changed me. I began to literally see things differently. I began to understand, oh, okay, well, he's old grumpy puss over there just because he don't know Jesus. It changed my whole way of thinking. I, I mean, instantly I forgave people because I realized that they were just bound up by demonic things. That it wasn't them, it was the devil. And things just began to change in my life. And I began, I'm not saying I became perfect overnight, but I'm saying my eyes were open and I began to see things. And folks, when you desire to have a relationship with Jesus in your heart, do you desire for your heart to be pure and you're, you're, you're saying, Jesus, I want to know you, I desire to be with you. It, your eyes pop open and you begin to see things differently. Okay? You begin to see things differently. Now, Revelations 3.18 says, I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now, I want to tell you all something. <laughs> there is an anointing that comes off of this Bible, not just this Bible, your Bible, the word of God. When you begin to read it with a pure heart, when you begin to read it, not trying to find out how to make it say what you want it to say. But when you begin to read the word, looking for it to make you more like Jesus, there's something that happens to your eyes. It's an anointing that comes off the living word of God that gets into your eyes and it causes you to see and behold things differently. Like I'm looking at this whole situation going on in the world, and I've told y'all since the elections that this is not about Democrats and Republicans. This is not about, oh, what are the moderates and, and, and progressives doing? No, it's not about, oh, we've got to, you know, it's got to be the independent vote. No, 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 folks, this is about heaven and hell. This is about, this is about devils and God. And there's no other way to put it. And the only person going to deliver us is God. What we need is a movement of God. What we need is God to be moving through our schools. Hello? You want to get rid of critical race theory in schools? Man, there needs to be youth events started. There needs to be, there needs to be you know, a, a, a movement amongst the young people and say, oh, well, we're not interested in that. We just want to spend some time praying. Wherever a student comes to school with their Bible and sits down and reads it, Folks, I'm telling you, we've got to get radical in these days. We have got to get radical in these days and be Christians who are really Christians. But you're not going to get there unless your eyes are open because you're going to see it as a fight. You're going to see it as, as you know, a, a war that, that you're taking on that's not yours. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord, Lord's. Hello? Now, you can have the ISAV anointment that comes from the word if you would just read it and ask him to give it to you. That's all you got to do. There's no, big, there's no big message. There's no big, no big mystery here. There's no big something that I, you know, ooh, 
Twilight Zone deal. Oh, if you hold your foot just right and your mouth just right. No, no, no. If you just want to read the word, it'll, it'll make your eyes open. And you'll see things like you have never seen before. Okay? Now, here's this, the last one. John 10, 1. That you have a desire to hear his voice. If you desire to hear the voice of Jesus, it will change your heart. John 1 is the story of the Good Shepherd and says, Most surely I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, hear his voice, hear his voice, hear his voice, hear his voice. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. The sheep hear his voice. Listen to me, church. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. Every day, every moment, every second, God wants to speak to you. Well, why not? You're his called, you're his chosen, you're his faithful, you're his saints. You're the one he died on the cross for. He shed his blood for each and every one of you. He washed away your sins. He got you going. He's going to spend eternity in heaven with you. Why wouldn't he want to talk to you now? Now, what's interesting to me is the, is the way God speaks. Now, I would love to have the cloud appear, right? And God boom his voice out of there and say, you know, this is my son, Robert, go forth today. But most of the time I hear the voice of God, it's just like the other day. I told y'all this story about these blankets that we're getting for, uh, for, the, for all the kids down south. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just... I do not know, other than telling you now, looking back, that it was the Spirit of God. I just started looking up blankets. I was sitting in there, going over, looking at blankets. I thought I wanted a blanket to go hunting with. But I didn't realize God was dealing with me and getting me to research blankets. And I started looking up blankets. I spent two or three nights just looking up blankets, different kinds of blankets. This blanket, that blanket, here's the blanket. Never bought a blanket, just thought about it. And then I, I uh, uh, was talking to Sister Annie, and she said, oh, yeah, we're getting blankets for all the kids down here. I was like, ha, ah, and that's why I'm looking for blankets. You see, that was God's voice speaking to me, but unless you're looking for it and recognizing it, I would have missed it, right? I just bought me a blanket and never talked to Sister Annie, right? And then I just said, why did I buy this blanket, Right? And so what I'm saying to you is God's always wanting to speak to you. He may not be a booming voice speaking to you every time. It may be a song that comes on the radio. It may be your friend that called you. It may be the word as you're reading it that morning that leapt off the page to you and say, whoa, look at here. Right? But God wants to speak to you. And when you're running around saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, if you would ever just be quiet at that moment and start, start turning that whole thing around and saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? You'll hear God's voice. He'll speak to you because he says he calls his sheep by name. But are you going to listen? And when you have a desire to hear the voice of God, it causes your heart to become pure. It just automatically happens. It's kind of like putting the roast in the oven. You just turn it on and it does get done. Hello? So. Joshua, 
In the Old Testament, chapter 23, verse 14, he said, Behold, this day I'm going the way of the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Listen to me. God's word does not fail. You have to understand something. You may get off. You may try to manipulate God. You may misread his word. You may mishear his voice. But God's word doesn't fail. It never has failed. It's not ever going to start failing. It's not going to come up and say, oh, well, you know, the Internet lines are slow today. God can't get through. Oh, that is not going to happen. But if you've never heard the voice of God speak to you, you don't know what I'm talking about now. Then I want to tell you something. Today's your day to begin to turn your heart and say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to be led by the spirit, not led by my head. Because some of us are in the trouble that we've gotten into in life because we were led by our head. Look at the person beside you and said, is he talking about you? I don't want to be led by my head. And you know, I can sometimes. I have to watch myself. That's why God gave me a good wife. Says a prudent wife is from the Lord. She keeps me straight. But you know, every once in a while, she thinks she's going to jerk my chain, but I, I'm right. It's just a few varied times. And then I have to jerk her chain and say, uh, excuse me, but I know you don't want to admit it, but... <clears throat> I'm right on this one. <laughs> Look at Luke 5.1. I'm really finishing here. I can't believe I tried to preach this message in one session. I've now barely got two. Great story. Jesus is preaching to the multitude. Luke 5, chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to get to the good part. And... Uh, he, Jesus is being pressed. As people are pressed upon him, he's forcing him back in the sea, gets on the boat with Peter. Peter just got through cleaning his net, right? And he's just been fishing all day. He just got his net all cleaned up. All got it in the boat while he was listening to Jesus. And then Jesus says, push on out for a catch. Now, he hadn't caught anything. He's a professional fisherman. He knows the fishing. He knows what's going on. He just got his net cleaned. He doesn't really want to put the net back in the water. He's going to pull it all out and go through the whole cleaning process again. But he says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Folks, when you get to that place in life that you're looking at the things going on in life and Jesus is saying, you read his word that morning and he says, trust me. And you say, okay, today, Lord, I'm trusting you that you're going to get me through this situation. That's just like Peter saying, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. And it says he let down the net. Whoa, man, he caught a big old haul in. He had so much, he had to call his partners to come out and help get them. And then Peter fell down at Jesus' feet, and he became a different kind of fisherman. It changed his heart, you see? It changed his heart that day because he heard the voice of the Lord. He enacted upon it. And when he did act upon it by faith, he saw the miracle. And folks, that's what we need right now. Y'all need to be seeing God moving because he wants to move in your life. Listen to me. People have been saying to me, oh, I can't wait till that great day comes. When God moves, he's going to move and we're going to see all kinds of signs and wonders. Folks, I'm seeing signs and wonders all around me. 
I'm seeing and, tes- and hearing testimonies from Freedom Prayer, people their whole lives are being changed and set free. I just saw, I even hear and preached a, a, a message and you know, people got saved and gave their hearts to Jesus. And I, I, I'm seeing miracles going on all the time. I'm seeing him doing simple things like uh, blankets. And I'm seeing other things like, you know, uh, whoa, right? I'm seeing everything take place. I'm seeing miracles come in. I'm seeing financial blessings. I'm seeing blessings here, blessings there. Is everything perfect? No. Have I got hardships in different areas and having to fight through some things? Of course, because he said in this world, we're going to have tribulation. But I'm seeing God move. I'm seeing miracles take place. And I'm telling you, the church has got to turn from, and I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about the whole church, the body of Christ, has got to turn from saying, oh, God, do something, when he, when, and start saying, God, look at what you're doing. Because God's doing stuff. He's doing miracles all the time. Folks, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. He's good. We are so sheltered, so sheltered here, and so right now living in a bubble of only getting fed information that, you know, uh, uh, they want you to hear, they and them. And, and so <clears throat> there's miracles. Man, folks, there's revival going on throughout the Middle East. There's revival going on through Asia. There's revival going on all over the world. There's miracles, signs, and wonders taking place everywhere. Listen to me. It's not like we're all caught and everybody stayed at home because they got, thought they might get the coronavirus and they ain't doing nothing. There's things going on. There's miracles and thus going on around this world. God is moving. Things are happening. I'm telling you right now, there is more signs going on ever, ever for the return of Christ than than. than is ever, ever, ever been since Jesus was here himself. There's all kinds of things taking place. Don't let yourself get put into a mindset that, oh, woe is me. Because I'm telling you, God's moving. He wants to move in your life. Amen. So we're going to have communion. And when you come up here for this communion, I'm, I'm telling you, this is holy ground. You say, oh, I thought it was just church carpet. No, it is holy ground. Because your faith is what makes a difference between making that church carpet and holy ground. And I don't know about y'all, but here in just a minute, I'm going to be taking communion myself. And when I do, I want to tell you something. I'm having communion with God. So I encourage you, come to the front in just a minute. Have, take your communion. Get whatever's going on in your heart right. Whatever the Holy Ghost has tapped on your shoulder about, just get it straight between here and here. I don't have to come lay hands on you. I don't have to pray for you. I don't have to make, you know, uh, 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 I wish I could. I wish I had, you know, wish this old Perel bottle right here. I just squirted on you and then just fixed everything. But it don't work like that. Amen. It works by your heart and your faith. And God will do anything for you. You just got to get moving because it says he's the God of in the impossible and there's nothing too hard for him. Amen. Amen. So just put your Bibles up. Those of you out there that are tuned in on there, get your communion ready. Can I have my prayer team come down? Pastoral team, come help me here. And we're going to. We're going to do some communion. With the Lord. So the, the Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, today we take this bread. And Lord, I thank you for your broken body on the cross. Lord, that even though this is just bread, 
It becomes something amazing when we put our faith in it. It becomes your sacrifice for us. So Lord, I thank you for this bread. I thank you for healing and touching people right now. For those of you at home, those of you watching, take and eat your, your bread. Then afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant, a new covenant, church. Not the old covenant where you had to do it all by works, but a new covenant. Since a new covenant is poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this cup and I thank you what this cup means. Lord, I thank you that this cup today represents the forgiveness of our sins, Lord that we can be right before you by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for that. So take now and drink.